This is episode four of Inner Surveillance. I do apologize ahead of time. Um, it's been a hectic week. So I really thought this was episode three. Regardless, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. Yes. If you are a STEM student, you probably have stumbled upon this phenomenon or have met someone with imposter syndrome at one point or another. And I really think it's important to talk about because do we need a trigger warning for this? Because I feel like for imposter syndrome. Yes, I feel like this might trigger some people depending on their upbringing. So I just want to put that out there because it kind of touches me personally. Um. <laughs> I guess for me, we can get into it a little bit. I personally, I don't want to say I've never dealt with imposter syndrome. Um, I just deal with it in a different way. So I probably consider it more as an insecurity problem than imposter syndrome. And I actually looked at the definition. I did my homework. (laughs) So the definition of imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills okay so that may or may not resonate with you depending on your upbringing however I that definitely resonates with me and I was thinking about this earlier because I knew we were going to have this conversation and I do think it stems back all the way to my childhood Mm -hmm. and that was a little disturbing I'm not gonna lie um so I looked up some studies and apparently about 20% of college students experience imposter syndrome. And I believe that triples with like med students and grad school. So I thought that was interesting. And so I did some deeper digging, if you will. And I do believe it stems from, in the article, a sense of perfectionism. And that stems from an upbringing where high achievements were very much looked up upon or encouraged. So it's almost like you were raised in this very achievement oriented, whether it was like qualitative or quantitative metrics that you were fixated on from a very early age that then caused you to be a perfectionist. Some people also, I think, resonate with um, like hyperactivity. ADHD was uh, also came up in some of the articles. So they're all kind of interconnected. And then we start to think about, well, from a medical perspective, this isn't a mental illness. It is a phenomenon. However, there are a lot of common variables that trickle down into where imposter syndrome stems from, if you will. And I think I'm one of those people that falls into those categories. So I'll let you kind of give a little bit of your background before I dive into my entire childhood. (laughs) So I guess my experience with perfectionism specifically um, runs deep. I remember my um, dad specifically was always like, you know, you'll never be perfect, but get as close as you can. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Interesting. 
So I had that mindset all throughout schooling that I really just needed to get as perf as close to perfect as possible. Um, but in my experience with the true definition of imposter syndrome, I never, how do I say this? I never believed that my successes weren't earned by me. I put in the work for my successes. So I never had that imposter syndrome where I didn't believe that I earned what, um, like my successes. That's interesting. I feel like from mine really got triggered in college. If, if I'm being honest, um, I didn't know what this phenomenon was until I entered university and I started hearing other students talking about it in academia. So upon my self-reflection, I, I think it started from an earlier age just because I had to learn English when my family and I migrated here in, early, in the early 2000s. And I always felt like, I think outcast is a little bit overbearing, but I always felt like I didn't belong in some way, shape or form, right? Because I couldn't speak English at one point in time and I was learning something new every couple of months you know, whether it was keeping up with like generic academic material in elementary school or learning how to make friends. It was always like, I'm learning on the go. I'm learning as I go. And I gave myself credit for that. Um, however, I did have moments where I was like, am I doing enough? I need to overperform because I know I'm already behind. So the stigma as soon as I came to America was, we're going to not hold you back, assuming that you do well in summer school, assuming that there were always contingencies to my success every single year in order to not get held back. And so that further got highlighted in middle school where we started getting exposed to like honors courses. It's like, if you don't overperform, you're not gonna qualify to be entered in these classes. In high school, it was the same thing with AP classes. And so as I was self-reflecting upon just my academic journey, I was like, wow, I've always felt like I needed to overperform to catch up or, and, it, and it's really interesting because now that I'm looking back at it, I've overperformed in comparison to majority of the people my age or in my class. And I was always so fixated on just catching up, I think every single year or every single moment in my life that I didn't realize that I had, I had made it honestly, I, I think like sixth grade when, <laughs> when I finally caught up with being it, like literate in English and catching up on some of those higher level courses. I, I was good. I, I could have just stopped there. So once I entered college, it really, it really pivoted at that point because I'm a first-gen college student and I don't think anyone had, obviously no one prepared me for what was going to come. But then when I started backtracking academically and I started struggling, I was like, okay, me outperforming isn't working, but I'm still passing these classes because engineering is, as long as you're making it, you know, <laughs> past a, a certain point, the halfway mark, you don't need technically need an A to pass the class or technically a C in some courses, depending on the, the bell curve. 
So that those all of those experiences were just compounded from freshman all the way to senior year where I felt like and even now even working full time as an engineer I find it kind of difficult to call myself an engineer <laughs> despite having graduated which I think is even more fascinating. Mm. I definitely think that I also struggle with comparison. Um, I feel like that's one of my main insecurities is comparing myself to others. So in fashion, I always believed that I wasn't good enough because my grades were also slipping. Well, Mm -hmm. when I making sewing and designing and constructing was good. It was the drawing that I kept on getting D's and F's. And I was like, "Mm, I don't think this is for me. These people are are more creative than me um but yeah I just believe that they were they were more creative than me I didn't value my creativity Mm, okay yeah because yours is like more academic and overperforming um mine is perfectionism but I never truly overperformed in school I I I don't want to say I did the bare minimum in school, but I didn't have to do a lot to get good grades. So then going into AP courses in high school, where I actually had to like try to get a good grade. (laughs) Right. Or then in college where I'm pulling all nighters doing this drawing project to still get a D. And my teacher like, well, you did better than last time. I'm like, huh? It's still a D. Exactly. Exactly. For me, it was really interesting because during college, regardless of my education experience and accomplishments that I was getting, I still felt like a fraud. I still felt like I didn't belong there. I still felt like all of the hard work that I was putting into this degree was in a sense obviously was being valued because I was passing courses and I was getting recognized for some of, you know, um, my extracurricular work that I was doing. But internally, I felt like I still wasn't smart enough because I wasn't getting like that 4.0. And to be honest with you, reflecting back on it, I probably still would have felt the same way if I had gotten that 4.0 because that's how I felt in high school. (laughs) (laughs) So I really think mine stemmed from self-doubt at that point in time because I was doing something so new with so little guidance and solely relying on my work ethic that sometimes it paid off, other times it didn't, but I was still getting through the coursework. It just, it seemed backwards to me because everything up until college was, if you don't get a C, you're not passing or it's average, right? We're told that C's are average. And the whole, the whole process of engineering, in, in all honesty, I think the, the biggest takeaway is that university or colleges teach you how to critically think about problem solving. It really doesn't matter what type of engineering degree you get at the end of the day. In my personal opinion, it's about learning that system, how to train your brain to problem solve every single day. So yeah, that's a little bit um, about where 
mind stemmed from? What was the turning point for, for you? Like when you realized that, okay, I'm doing too much comparing and how did you solve that? Maybe for people that are having similar like experiences, maybe right now, like in university. How did I quit comparing myself to others? Hmm. I have to think on that one because I don't think I ever stopped. <laughs> okay, it's so still how an are you... ongoing process? Okay, so like, what are some of the things that you do to kind of catch yourself in the moment and be like, okay, I'm comparing myself? Are you just starting to be self aware, or are you taking like actionable steps to say mm, next? How do you like? No, shift your I focus? immediately know when I'm competing, comparing myself to others, and usually it's due to social media, and so okay. I'll just turn off social media I'll put my phone away um so that way I can get out of that comparison trap or the scrolling where I'm just like everybody's um people my age are doing better than me people um I don't want to say people my age people who I graduated with are seemingly doing better than me um because I don't compare myself to celebrities I can't <laughs> I can't keep up but to my friends to my peers it's it's feels more realistic to compare myself to them because we started at this similar place. Um, so yeah, I just put away social media, get off Facebook. Don't, I don't get on LinkedIn either. I don't want to see what job you got. <laughs> really? No, I, uh, even though I'm really proud of the brand that I work for and the work that I do, for some reason, I still think that I could do better. Mm. um like there's there's better for me out there but I love my job and my position so I'm yes. I gotta get out of the comparison trap because I'm running my own race I'm not trying to I think we mentioned this last podcast mm -hmm. I'm not keeping up with the Joneses Joneses I agree. I agree. That can be very detrimental. I do think you made a good point in terms of it's always easier for us to compare ourselves to people at least in the, perhaps in the same age group. And I think when people in our age group make it or become super successful, it can be that much more discouraging. It's like tenfold at that point because you came from the same place. So then it is hard for you to visualize someone else doing better. So I do think that's why where probably some of that insecurity gets triggered for a lot of people. I think the turning point for me personally when I is when I actually learned the definition of imposter syndrome. So it was being, it's almost like we're normalizing yes. this phenomenon. And I do have an issue with it because it's, not okay. it's really not like once you actually understand the definition and then you ask yourself, well, why is my brain or where, where does this stem from? I think is it's good to be self-aware, but at least in my own personal experience back at university, people were throwing out this terminology left and right. Like it was a bowl mm. of candy. Everybody struggled from imposter syndrome. And looking back at it now, some of the people that I spoke with, I can see how specific personalities, maybe if you were like a little bit more introverted or you've always been a relatively bright student, right? But maybe you didn't have the self-confidence from an early age, why you felt like you're an imposter or a fraud once you were 
you know, in the engineering program. Um, and even if you're not an engineer, that can stem from the same rooted upbringings. So once that it was it was legit like an inflection point it was really quick like my brain switched on it like a light switch and once I understood the definition I was like okay I'm not necessarily insecure right because I've done x y and z I have like self-confidence in myself but there are certain things within my upbringing that trigger some of that self-doubt and school was definitely one of them because I (laughs) I always struggled in school from an early age, at least. So I think normalizing this terminology and kind of throwing it around the internet without any background is a little bit problematic. I agree. I feel like specifically speaking as a Black woman, a lot of other Black women struggle with um with with imposter syndrome um especially in occupying predominantly white or male spaces um I guess my thought process towards that or my best advice for that is to remember your journey you have to remember that you worked to be in the same place that they Mm. are in you deserve everything. It really hurts my feelings when people don't believe that they're worthy. Like it really, it really affects me. I'm like, what do you, like right. you are worthy of all the praises. You are worthy of all the successes. You put in the work to achieve this. And it's kind of backwards because some people say, um, you know, what's not meant for you, uh, you know, that's why you didn't get, when you didn't get a, when you didn't get a position that wasn't meant for you okay so when you get this position that means that it's meant for you then why are you sitting there now doubting the fact that this position is meant for you with your imposter syndrome how do you have that in the same breath <laughs> i i definitely agree i think that's a great point because this phenomenon not only manifests in academia aka at school but also at home at work and in relationships. Mm -hmm. So self-sabotaging a relationship is actually a cause of imposter syndrome because these people tend to feel unworthy of the affection that they're receiving. And at, at the work example that you just described, I think might resonate with a lot of people. Do you think with specifically people of color, it's because microaggressions might be a variable that play into this imposter syndrome or do you think they're unrelated at all i think microaggressions play into variable into imposter syndrome hmm. i don't know i don't think so i don't think i don't think microaggressions are the cause of imposter syndrome i think it's the fact that usually we are seeing a certain type of person in success or in an industry. So when we're inserting that space, we don't think that we belong there when we do. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. And that's a really great point because I had to, my mindset shift was exactly that. When I figured out the definition, I was like, okay, this is what this means specifically 
um, where does this stem from? So let me backtrack a little bit, right? So that self-awareness aspect came in. How do we pivot out of that? Because some people have been living through this their entire life. Again, as I stated, a portion of me kind of feels like that. But I think the inflection points at different stages of my life, when those achievements really like came to the peak, um, I'm speaking mainly from an academic perspective. I was saying to myself exactly what you just stated. So it's like you put in all the work like, what do you mean? Like you're, you're working until midnight, you're studying, like you, you purchase separate academic books to study for these standardized tests. You're doing everything by the book essentially to be successful. So then why are you surprised when that hard work's paying off? And to me, I guess maybe because I was, again, I was, I've always been overworking myself or performing at that level that I guess when I started reaping the benefits of my labor I was like oh man like this is real <laughs> yes like the saying is oh, I meant to look it up before this for the <laughs> podcast but like why look a gift horse in the mouth uh, like why 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 are we doubting something that is good for us mm. I, I I can't I really can't fathom it like I I don't want to say that people who have imposter syndrome, like it's not a real thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think this goes back to mindset. I think my mindset is so focused that on, on me deserving thing, on me believing that I'm worthy of my position. Cause even so a little more background on me, if you haven't listened to the previous epi- episodes of inner surveillance, um, but I got my position not really too much based on my my previous experiences because I didn't really have previous experiences I got my current position because I knew somebody in the industry who knew my work ethic and I could have sat there and been like I'm not deserving of this position I don't have enough experience blah 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 blah. I was not like that I was crying I was in tears I was so happy that I got this position I wasn't worried about nothing I wasn't I wasn't believing that I wasn't deserving of this or I didn't uh my my efforts were frivolous I I truly believed that it was for me because it came to me absolutely and that I really think the solution to this phenomenon is that mindset shift you have to start separating feelings from fact exactly that's how that's how I started rationalizing the whole situation because for me time the way that I quantify time is a little bit different than most people but essentially I started thinking about it in a very rational sense I'm putting x hours into this activity this degree this job application process therefore I'm reaping x results that could be number of interviews. And I would literally, I, I'm naturally, I naturally think in systems anyway. So I, I naturally put things in spreadsheets or Google docs and keep track of everything, Excel charts that that's just how I roll. That's just how I do things. Okay. Let my, let my brain be happy. But I was, I've always taken notes of my journey in a sense. And then the results that came after that. So I also feel like that's why 
my resume is the way it looks now because of all of the things that I was tracking during that time. So when it came to that perspective shift, separating my feelings from, oh, well, I don't feel like I put in enough work. And then you have numbers to back that up. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. Actually, from this time to this time, I can pull my Outlook calendar from the past four years of university. And I can tell you right now from 7 a.m. to like 1130 midnight, it was booked back to back either with group meetings, assignments. I mean, I would put everything in my Outlook calendar. That's just <laughs> that that's just how I roll. So if you need to visually perhaps do something like that to keep track of your progress, because it's really easy, I think, when you've been working at such an over like high achieving level, you get used to that type of work ethic. Therefore, anything that doesn't, I guess, surpass that or meet that standard is just thrown out the window. But I also had to understand that most people don't work like that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess for my version of keeping track of my um, progress would be journaling. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I look through my journals and see the things that I was writing about and I'm like, hold on, I'm I'm at that position right now. I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do exactly because sometimes I forget that uh, the process the journey I forget about that until I look back and I'm like hold on wait a minute I'm exactly where I wanted to be and if I continue down this path then I'll know that I'll get to to my future position to my to my goals Absolutely. Journaling, it's really interesting because my self-awareness journey has done a whole 180 after upon graduating college um, for a number of reasons that that could probably be split into 50 different episodes at this (laughs) point, (laughs) but I'll, I'll spare you guys. Um, I do think physically tracking your achievements is crucial to overcoming imposter syndrome because some people are very visual learners. So like Imani said, journaling or calendar tracking things, I think is amazing because the feelings of self-doubt, I feel like are normal. We're human. Okay. Mm -hmm. We can't. And that's why I'm hesitant because I don't want to come off as if I'm preaching, as if these feelings are tainted or you should feel you know, guilty, or you should feel resentment towards yourself for feeling self-doubt because these feelings are normal. However, they're irrational in the sense that if you are doing all of this work, if you are a perfectionist, you are performing at these high caliber levels, there's no reason for you to essentially not reap the fruit of your labor. Yes. Agreed. I also want to, oh, you have a question? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) No, one of the things that I started, I didn't follow through with it, but I feel like it's a good idea. Um, If you're kind of a creative person, um, what I did was I had a jar and each time I achieved something, I wrote, wrote it down and put it in the jar. And at the end of the year, hopefully your jar would be however filled up it is. And you look at all of your achievements throughout the year. That way you can have 
a physical thing, a physical thing to look at and be like, okay, I'm trying to look at, um, I'm trying to fill up this jar or something like that. All right. So do you have any final thoughts regarding advice or feedback for either college students or adults, any young adults, middle-aged people that might be experiencing this self-doubt, fraudulent internal feeling in their workplace, at home, being a spouse, etc. cetera? Um, I guess I'll go back to my previous tips of don't ever believe that you're not worthy of successes or praises. That can be your mantra, looking yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you are worthy or don't just, please do not ever believe that you are not worthy of everything that you have achieved because you are. My second tip will be to remember your journey. Remember where you came from. Remember how you achieved these successes. Remember how how you got to where you are. Um, It's really a mindset shift. So once you shift your mindset, I really think that uh, uh, these insecurities and imposter syndrome will, will become less of a less of an issue. What about you? What's your tips? Your hot takes? Yeah, I would just like to start off by saying that these feelings are usually associated with anxiety um, and depression. So, as well as ADHD, as well, according to some of like the medical psychological documents that I was reading. So bearing that in mind, do keep track physically of your accomplishments. Um, If you're not the type to journal, maybe if you're not that much into organization, I would at least encourage you to try it. Um, If those things are still not something that are of interest I would definitely go back and ask yourself, similar to what you were stating, how did I get here versus looking at where you're going in the future? Because a lot of things associated with anxiety are thinking about the future, right? And being fixated on things that haven't even come to fruition. And I think that can be, it can be good to positively envision where you're going to be going however fixating on the future can bring about more anxiety more self-doubt because you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there and then being fixated on the problem becomes the focal point of your life so that would be my little hot take um i think we gave out some pretty good practical advice so (laughs) This is episode four. Yes. I hope I'm getting that right. Of imposter syndrome. All right. We'll see you guys next week. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.